Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and coming to you from the much-anticipated 2021 Moon Tower Comedy Festival. My sometime co-host, Miss Purrington, is resting at home. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy, including those passing through Austin for festivals. Follow Comedy Wham on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Where aren't we? In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, a monthly show on first Tuesdays at Hobson Time in Lakeway, and an events page for live shows in Austin and Houston. If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page and click Submit a Show to complete the short survey. Now, let's get back to our podcast. We hope you'll rate and review us. With over 200 interviews since its launch in 2016, the podcast is your anthropology lesson in Austin comedy, bringing you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene yeah. one of the best in the country. Um, all right, great, great, great. All right, so... Uh, today we are recording live on location at the beautiful Driscoll Hotel in downtown Austin. I am talking to, this is my second 2021 Moon Tower interview with a brand new dad. Uh, he's got two great specials out, Fun Size and Daddy Issues, which were issued back to back in 2015 and 16. And in my personal opinion, he is the best kid rock cover singer uh, from past Moon Tower goddamn comedy jams. And uh, I'm springing this on him. He actually made me cry during last night's Pearl Jam's Alive song. And I'll uh, maybe tell you a little bit about why it made me cry. And he has a long time uh, podcast with his friend Adam Ray about last night. And um, apparently after running into him on the streets of Austin last night, he does not approve of my cheese pizza choices. Uh, <laughs> so now, without further ado, Comedy Wham presents our guest, Brad Williams. That is a lovely intro. <laughs> awesome. Um, uh, no, I've made people cry before with my singing, so it's totally understandable <laughs> that you would burst into tears upon hearing me try to emulate... Uh, Eddie Vedder and his amazing vocals. So uh, yeah, I'm not insulted by that at all. I'm glad. I'm. I'm. You know. I. I hope you uh, went into a safe space after that. <laughs> gathered yourself, centered yourself, and now we're back. Um, it was interesting because uh, I know you're trying to play it off as you know my singing is so bad. Your singing is incredible, and anyone listening to this can hear like that deep bass baritone voice of yours. Yeah, and that's why you you pull out that kid rock. Well, it, yeah, and I, I think that's going to be my new intro, is uh, not that I've had two Showtime specials and a Netflix special, just, <laughs> he's a really good Kid Rock cover singer, that's what I want to be known for, I really do, um, Bob, Bob's a good guy, uh, I met him before, he was really nice to me, um, but no, uh, what I told someone last night, because they're like, man, you do, you could sing any better, and I go, well, A, no, I can't, but B... Whether it be karaoke or, in this case, the goddamn comedy jam, it's just finding a song that's in your range. Like, I sing low, and I can do, like, a falsetto Eddie Vedder. It's, uh -huh. like, it's not 
actual singing like he does. It's like, it's a fake. It's a, oh, you know, it's, it's stuff like that, but it's in his range. It, you know, so you can sound good. If, if, if you're going up there like, I'm going to do Sia's chandelier. It's like, good fucking luck. No, that's not going to go well for you. So the key is to find something that's in your range. And yeah. thankfully, like... Kid Rock and Pearl Jam. Some Pearl Jam songs are in my range, so I just yeah. know how to do that. Uh, yeah, like other songs I've done at the jam are like The Proclaimers, Walk 500 Miles, and um, things like that to where it's like, oh, yeah, that's... It's a guy scream talking. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not a great vocalist. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Kid Rock's going to be insulted if I say he's not a great vocalist. <laughs> he may be preoccupied with other things anyway. Sure. So. Um, let's stay on Goddamn Comedy Jam for just a second, yeah. because you have appeared, I, I've been coming to Moontown for four years, I think, uh-huh. and you've, you've performed on each of the, the Moon Towers during that time, you've yeah. done uh, a Comedy Jam. Do you have a favorite uh, experience, or is it like picking your favorite child and impossible to do? Oh, well, first of all... I'm a, I'm a new dad, like you said, and I could officially say, anyone who says, like, oh, you, you don't want to pick your favorite child, or it's impossible to pick your favorite child, they're lying. <laughs> you can absolutely pick your favorite child. Every parent right now goes like, yeah, I wish the other one was more like this one. Um, totally, and that's absolutely, and I'm saying that having only one kid. Yeah, Because yeah. I know that if we had, if we had another kid, and, and, the, and the kid was not like this baby, then... Oh, we'd be really mad about that, and we absolutely would have a favorite child. So anyone who says, "Oh, we don't have favorites," liar. Um, but yeah, uh, it is kind of like I enjoyed going out with the faux fur coat on to be Kid Rock. It, it's f- the goddamn comedy jam. For those of you who don't know what the show is, I mean, comics come out, they do a little set, and then they sing a song with an incredible band behind them, and they get to be rock stars. They can pretend like they're rock stars. Uh, or if you're a comic like Bill Burr, you're just a different kind of rock star because yeah. he is a rock star. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's insanely fun. You get to dive into a character, and you really get to. It's finding another way of expressing yourself and doing something different, and uh, it's a, a lot of fun. So, yeah, uh, Kid Rock was amazing. But last night doing Pearl Jam's Alive, I chose that song because of COVID and what we went through and how we came out of it and we're still alive yeah. so it's like I want like so it felt very cathartic to scream that in my best Eddie yeah. Vedder falsetto uh, and then to crowd surf um, so if you get COVID it's probably from me <laughs> from crowd surfing but you're supposed to have your little band yeah I got my band <laughs> I'm vaccinated but you know breakthrough cases sometimes yeah, happens yeah. Um, I don't want to talk about that yeah, uh, but no. yeah um <laughs> But no, I didn't plan on crowd surfing, but then I got up there, and during the time, uh, a few people in the front were like, come on, and you get wrapped up in it, and you get wrapped up in the adrenaline rush, so yeah, and in my head, I'm like, I'm not that heavy, because the fear is that you go, and you jump out, and they drop you, and now you're like, okay, but uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I love the goddamn comic (laughs) joke. As a, a mother and a parent, uh, I always get so freaked out when I see people crowd surfing. Sure. Surfing because I'm like, oh my god, you could hurt yourself. Yeah, no. And there was a time like they started moving me back in the crowd surfing, and then I saw that no one was no behind one was them. There. Yeah. So I'm like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> As you see, Brad disappear. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> and I was going to say, your, your introduction of the song was exactly like the perfect setup for why I got emotional mm-hmm. during, there's, there's a particular lyric that just like, mm-hmm. that uh, gets me. Um, and Which I will, lyric was I will, that? I will tell you, it is the uh, lyric about while you were sitting home alone at age 13 and your real daddy was crying. Yeah. Because I am a parent and... Mm-hmm. Full disclosure, I'm not trying to bring this down. Sure. My son's father passed away at age 12, so oh, really, wow. very, very close so to So that's 13. literally the lyric. That is, yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah. I've been carrying that. Biography. Like, you know, it's... Hey, and, but, uh, it, it, it is, it's amazing how music can do that to you, mm-hmm. whether, whether it be the actual artist who wrote the lyrics or yeah. just some drunken asshole singing it uh, at karaoke or, or the jam, where... Maybe they sing it in a way where they're like, oh, that's what that lyric is? And you mm-hmm. actually hear it for the first time, really, and or you've gone through an event that that lyric relates to. Uh, yeah, so yeah, totally at, understandable. As a new dad, that song means something different for you. Yeah. And many songs totally. have different meanings, exactly oh, as you said. Oh, I watch TV and movies and listen to music, and now as a new dad, like, things hit me that I'm just like, oh, you son of a bitch. Because <laughs> I'll just start crying, like, uh-huh. based on, yeah. like, um, I-, I was watching a wrestling pay-per-view a few weeks ago. I may get emotional talking about this. <laughs> I can And relate. it's so yes. stupid. But it, I'll tell you, so this guy had a wrestling match. It was a really intense match. He, he was bleeding and all of that, and it was... He, but then the match was over. It was spectacular. And then the guy called his daughters into the ring. And you can tell why he was doing it. He was doing it to look at them and say, Daddy's okay. Daddy's okay. You see? Oh. Like, it's getting you as a parent. Uh-huh. Like, like and, th- and, th- and thankfully I don't have that job where, you know, I'm falling off a... 15 foot high steel cage through a table yeah. or anything like that you know but just the checking on your kids mm-hmm. and making sure and uh yeah so just like shit like that whereas whereas before i'd be like that's cool yeah he did a thing with family that's not now i watch it and i'm like ah. <laughs> it, it, it 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 gets you you become more in tune with your emotions because uh when you have kids uh you truly care about something more more than yourself more than your spouse more than more than anything is you is is you value the lives of your children so yeah and their happiness so yeah yeah, it's a weird thing to now have that and now like you like i'll like i'm sure if i ever watched the movie taken again i'd probably cry like (laughs) yeah kill him they took his baby girl (laughs) fucking rub their balls off like i'd be going nuts so uh yeah, it, those, those kind of emotions you can only truly get in touch with once you've gone through an experience like that. Yeah, yeah. So, Brad, thank you for humoring me through that whole discussion. This is uh, intended to be kind of a traditional uh, interview, getting to know you as a comic. And, okay. Uh, I want to go to the Wayback Machine. Ooh, fun. And I uh, have an official icebreaker question. We are uh, okay. 10 minutes in, and okay. I'm now asking my official icebreaker question. That's fine. One word to describe your past. Jeez. <laughs> past. Uh. Optimistic. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Optimistic. Because I'm not going to be this 
guy that comes up here and says, like, I had a hard childhood mm. and a hard upbringing. Nah, I didn't. <laughs> I was great. I had a great, great family. Yeah. Parents still together. Affluent. You know, dad got a good job. Made a couple of shekels. <laughs> I'm not going to be this kid that's like, no, we lived in a tough neighborhood. No, we didn't. Yeah. We lived in a great neighborhood. I was a kid that a lot of kids hated. <laughs> you know, because like, like, you know, like, oh, wait, there's people that don't, you know, it, 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 like, but optimistic because whenever things would not turn out the way, exactly the way I wanted them to, I would always, I wouldn't get too down about it. And I was always say, ah, it's going to get better or it, it, it's going to improve or that's going to, my fortunes will change. And you kind of have to have that optimistic philosophy, especially when you start something like comedy. Um, if, like, now that I, I'm almost 18 years in, I'm literally two weeks away from my 18-year anniversary, um, now that I'm 18 years into comedy, if I look back when I started and knew what I know now about the comedy industry, I wouldn't have started, Mm. because the odds are so against you. It is insanely, like, to to make it, to quote-unquote make it in this business, there's so many things that... Uh, have to go right for you other than you just being talented or just being able to do this job so it it, so yeah so I would say optimistic because when I started doing comedy 18 years ago in the in the line for open mic night at the laugh factory and I was like no no this is gonna work out you know and when I would drive four hours to do three minutes for no money at at another open mic and one time I got into a car crash out front of the open mic. Oh, gosh. And while they were taking my statement, I ran in, did my spot, and then ran back out and finished giving my statement to the cops. Wow. The cops actually came in and watched me and laughed a few times. It was kind of cool. Um, but, like, doing all that, no wonder my parents were mad when I dropped out of school to do comedy. They're like, yeah, it's not going to... It's not going to work for you. You can't make a career out of this. And I'm not saying that to to say, oh, my parents were wrong. No, they're absolutely right. That's what you should say because the odds are against you. So the fact that any of us are here doing this, it's it's so good about – it's one of the coolest parts about coming to this festival is you come to this festival and see so many talented men and women that we all kind of get to look around and be like, can you believe we're actually doing this shit? Yeah. Like, we're actually doing this and making money and supporting, some of us supporting families and with jokes. Like, it's madness. So, uh, yeah, always optimistic. For anybody that doesn't know the story, the story of your start is pretty darned magical. And when I was reading about it, I was thinking of the, the Bruce Springsteen video where he... Brings oh. Courtney Cox up uh, on stage d- and like that dancing in the dark, her. yeah, dancers in the dark, yeah. <laughs> By the way, um, just a complete side note: I'm not trying to cancel Bruce Springsteen, oh. but not at all. He's the boss. He said he's turned. He just turned 72. He's great, but he's got a few songs that haven't really aged well. Mm. Uh, there's one song. Hey, little girl, yeah. is your daddy home? And you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's not, like, but anyway. Yeah. Um, 
like I said, I'm not trying to cancel them. I I, I still bust uh, Thunder Road in my in 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 my house. No 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 problem. But uh, yeah, uh, the story is nuts because the story is is um, it was Father's Day weekend of well, 18 years ago. So do the math, like 2002, 2003, and um, I was at I, I was in the audience of Carlos Mencia's show. And uh, he started doing midget jokes. Half the audience was laughing. The half that was sitting by me was just like, <laughs> like motioning towards. And he noticed that, and he goes, "What is one of them here?" And I just raised my creepy little hand in the air, like, "Yeah, I'm here. I'm I'm fun. Join the show." And uh, he goes, "Oh my god, get up here!" And he just called me up on stage, and he started asking me questions, and I I just answered the questions. I didn't think like oh what's the funniest thing I could say I just answered questions and my answers got laughs and that was the catalyst that was like oh this is awesome um, and then you, you usually if I'm giving like a short form radio interview I'll shorten the story a lot and that's usually where the story ends I go like yeah, and then I went on the road and blah, blah, blah. like so the extended version of the story is we have that night where I go on stage and I get laughs like he asked me like what do you do for a living and I go at the time kid from Orange County, I worked at Disneyland, and I said that, and the audience laughed, then I, and I turned to the audience as a dwarf, and I go, fuck you, I'm not one of the seven, and that got a laugh, and then I'm like, oh, that felt good, and uh, I told him that night, I go, I'm, I'm going to be a stand-up comedian, I go, that was incredible, that's what I'm going to do, wow. so, fast forward, a year and a half later, I've been doing open mics, and this time he sees me before the show, and, uh, because he was doing two shows that day, uh, I, that night. I saw him at the end of the early show when, when I was in line for the late show. And he goes, hey, you're that dude from the from the thing. Did, did you ever start doing comedy? And I go, yep, I've been doing it for a year and a half. He goes, huh, all right. Want to open up my show tonight? I go, yes. Yes, please. So the host goes on. Then I go on. I do like five minutes. Three and a half minutes was mine minute and a half was Johnny Sanchez bits and uh, I've told Johnny about this we laugh about it um, don't steal jokes people um, <laughs> and then uh, I at the end of the show uh, at the end of my set uh, Mencia wasn't supposed to go on stage he but he goes on stage he goes hold on I'll be back and he goes on stage and he goes hey did you guys like Brad and the whole audience yeah he goes okay you, you, got, you guys just made a very important decision for me. Um, my current feature act is... He's a headliner. He's killing it. Um, he's going to be a, a great comic in this business. And that that feature act was Steve Trevino, who is now national touring headliner, selling out. Um, and he goes, yeah, he's ready. So, he, so he's going to move on and do, and, and do his own thing. And you guys really like Brad. So, Brad, you want to go on the road? Holy hell. Yeah. And I'm just sitting in the back, like, huh? Yourself? Yeah, like, what? <laughs> okay. So, yeah, started going. Then the next weekend, we were in Bakersfield, California, and uh, I was doing a show, and like, I was opening for him in front of 1,300 people, and I was just doing coffee shops and open mics before that. Did you? Um, were you a, a writer, or did you? Do you do off the cuff? Because you said for that first time that he brought you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wish I'm so in awe 
of the comedians that can sit down and write just an amazing, well-worded, every syllable is curated yeah. and planned. I'm in awe of those comics. Mm. Like, you look at it like a... Like the like the comics where you can tell, oh, shit, you're a great writer. Like, I mean, back from, like, Richard Jenny to now, like, John Mulaney or just those just those comedians that, that just write amazing jokes. Um... I'm, I'm jealous. I have to write on stage. I have to bring an experience, a story, a thought up on stage and then talk it out and find the joke there. That's how I do it. Um, and yeah, I, I, like I said, very jealous of the ones that can just sit down and write and act. I mean, but yeah, that's how I write. So I would just go bring my experiences up on stage and talk them out. And the parts that get laughs, cool, keep that. If I try something it doesn't get a laugh, all right, don't do that again. Um, that's and that's how you build the hour. So, a year and a half into your your comedy work, mm-hmm. you uh, have accumulated what five, ten minutes. And yeah. You have to now do what twenty. Yeah. Uh, at the time, I was still doing like five to ten, because the feature act uh, Steve had hadn't left yet okay he was still hanging around for a little bit longer so I got to be kind of like the backup quarterback okay. that that gets to sit behind the starter for a year and learn okay so it was a very I got put in the absolute best possible situation for a young comedian where I I could just go out do jokes do five to ten minutes kill or not kill that's fine uh, fail and if I fail it doesn't matter because yeah. Steve was coming up next and he'd do fine and then of course Mencia so uh, yeah that 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 was it, it was a great great experience for me personally um, one of my favorite things to hear is when a, an experienced comic actually mentors a younger comic and yeah. that sounds like you were being set up for success as opposed to Hey, you know, yeah, I'm gonna make you do 20 minutes. And yeah. If you suck, then you're out of F here. You, and you're who gone. cares? Yeah, I try to pay that forward too. I, I, I think it's important. Uh, there's a there's there's a number of comics who open for me that I try really hard to give give them opportunities and put them in positions to win. Or I'll talk to club owners about them, about headlining off nights, or introduce them to the right people. Like right now, one of my features is a, a comic named JB Ball. He's just, he's out of Tampa, he's incredible. He's, he, honest to God, I think he's funnier than me. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's just, people don't know it yet. And yeah. when they finally figure it out, it's going to be great for him. Um, but yeah, uh, oh, one person who opened for me a few times who's now just killing it, and I'm so happy for her, is uh, 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 Becky Robinson. Um, Becky Robinson opened for me a few times. And not saying I had anything to do with it, it was all her. I'm not <laughs> taking credit for this. It's Becky. Like, she found characters. She found the things that worked. And uh, she's killing it now. She's selling out theaters. Like, it's awesome. It's just awesome. I love seeing that because, you know, it's like I said before. It's such a small club of national touring headliners that when you see someone get there, you're like, oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Good for you. (laughs) So great. I'm somehow going to keep managing to go back into even more of a Wayback Machine. That's okay. Um, because now we kind of know how your trajectory kicked off. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll probably come back to that. Sure. Was comedy something... I mean, you're obviously in the audience of the Carlos Mencia show. You're uh-huh. in L.A. with tons of comedy, yeah. film, yeah. movie. Uh, were you going to see a lot of comedy? Is that 
Um, at the time, that was my first show that I ever went to see. Good God, Brad! I know, crazy, right? Um, but I got, but I got to see it more, and I got to love more. But that was my first show I saw live. But I was obsessed with those half-hour Comedy Central presents. I can name you so many. I can tell you the set that, and I and I can tell you the set design, like because they got to. Wow. You know, the comics got to kind of put their own personality in the set design. Like, did a show with Dom Herrera last night, and his is one of the ones I remember so well. Just the stoop. Like, it was essentially his stoop as a kid. Mencia um, had the cartoons, Frank Caliendo, Louis Black, Frank Soto, like, all, like Pablo Francisco, uh, so many, Mitch Hedberg, so many great, great, great half hours. So I was obsessed with those, but I was obsessed with those when I was like 15, 16, before I could even make it and go to a live show. So, uh, yeah, I had done some improv in high school, but never, being a stand-up comic to me was an unobtainable, like, it's one of those jobs where you're like, well, no one actually does that. Hmm. Like, no one, like, no one's actually a stand-up comedian. For me, it's like being an NFL football coach. It's like... How do you get to be an NFL football coach? I don't know. No one actually does that. Like, <laughs> there's like eight guys that do it, and they yeah. keep being rotated around the league. But yeah, um, that's just what I, that, that, that's just what I thought it was. So when I started getting into it, and I started seeing a path to uh, to being a professional stand-up comic, I was like, oh, you can do this. And uh, but yeah, I was I was funny as a kid. I was. And I always say this uh, when, I was, when, I, when I was in high school I was voted most likely to become famous huh holy and, cow uh, so now I, I just look at that other girl who won Simone Levine calling you out what the <laughs> fuck keep up your end of the bargain Simone come on I did my job come on we'll have to google her and yeah, see if we can tag her yeah yeah the, uh, yeah maybe episode. she'll yeah, maybe maybe she can become a TikTok star. I don't know. She's my age. She's probably doing well. She's a smart person. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, it was always funny. But I never thought I could actually like make a living being funny. Yeah. Um, so it's really quite amazing that you get to achieve that goal. Yeah. So now we'll we'll go back to this. Your your. I mean, to me, your your basically out of diapers in the comedy world when you get this opportunity to work with yeah. Mencia a year yeah, and a yeah, half yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do yeah. You, did you uh, ever fall into that trap as a uh, younger comic mm-hmm. of, I'm going to, especially since you basically write on stage, mm-hmm. I'm going to be somebody else. I'm going to try to be somebody oh, else. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. I think a lot of young comedians do that. I, I And it's only because... You know, it's like when you pick up a guitar and you want to learn mm. how to play music, the first songs you're going to learn are like, well, if you're a Metallica fan, you're going to play Metallica songs. If you're, you know, a fan of the Beatles, you're going to learn the Beatles songs. Mm. Like, So, yeah, when you start off, you start sounding like, even, even if the jokes aren't exact, the personality, the cadence, all that, as you start, like, I was trying to be, I was trying to be Eddie Murphy. Mm. I was trying to be Eddie Murphy from Eddie Murphy Raw totally just trying to do that yeah and um so yeah yeah when you're young and you start you sound like other comedians before you figure out and it's funny because you can almost you you can when you see a young comic you you can almost pinpoint like oh you're here because you like anthony jeselnik uh, or oh you start doing comedy because you like eliza or uh-huh. david hell or whoever um you can almost 
pinpoint it. And it's like when I was when I was starting, all the open mics, every comic sounded like Dane Cook. Every comic sounded like Dane Cook. They were all they were all doing their version of Dane because that's that's who inspired them. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of comics sound like other comics when they start off just because that's what they're into and that's and that's what they want to sound like. But then as you do it. You write your own jokes, you develop your own personality, your own voice, your own cadences. Now, you'll figure out what you sound like, what your voice is. It'll take a while, but, and hopefully, hopefully, I had this, and I hope other comics have this. Hopefully someone pulls you aside and goes, hey, you're sounding a lot like so-and-so. Don't. Like, don't do that. Like, and hopefully they can go, oh, shit, okay. And they stop and they don't go like fuck it I'm a, I, I can do that and then they <laughs> do it anyway so yeah um, I, 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 yeah I, I probably sounded like when, when I started off I, I probably sounded a lot like Eddie Murphy from Eddie, from Eddie Murphy Raw I probably sounded like a lot like Johnny Sanchez so uh, yeah and like I said I haven't told Eddie yet I, I told Johnny that we have a laugh about it <laughs> Well, congratulations on breaking out of that because that has mm-hmm. been a successful Thank you. Uh, career. Um, I want to uh, see what do I, where do I want to go next? Because being in LA based, and uh-huh. you, you you grew up in LA, so you, yeah. you know what living there is like in the, yeah. the industry yeah. that's there. Yeah, horrible place when to start know, doing comedy. I'm sorry, we know each other from the past. Oh, one second, I'm doing a quick interview, okay. but okay. as soon as soon as soon as I'm done. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, when when did you get opportunities to do acting? Mm. And did you want to do um, acting? I didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not an, an actor. Like, it, if I get acting jobs, awesome. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. They're a good time. But I'm a I'm a stand-up comic. Mm. That's what I do. That's what I'm the best at. So any acting gigs I get, I'll just do to enhance my stand-up comedy and to do, you know, to sell more tickets. Um, but yeah, uh, well, because right when I started going along with Mencia, he got the show, The Mind of Mencia, and then he had a, then if you have a dwarf in your crew and you have a sketch show, yeah, you're going <laughs> to throw him in there. So I, I got to do some really cool things, yeah. some really fun sketches, and uh, that was valuable experience um and then but then even the acting choices the acting parts i've gotten if you look at them they're not great thespian roles but they're fun Fun. they're a lot of fun like uh, most fun was um doing the christopher guest movie uh mascots uh which is available on netflix you can watch it uh yeah that was the most fun because it's just a bunch of improvisers just having fun just playing but being very and being on that set, um, improvising with people, uh, I, I got to do a scene with Fred Willard, which is one of the highlights Whoa. of my career. And uh, what, what a guy that, what a talent. So I'm, if you've seen my stand-up, you know I'm pretty high energy. I'm talking softly because we're in a hotel. I don't want to mm-hmm. disturb people. But um, uh, so I thought when I did the scene with Fred Willard, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be the crazy guy. And then he's going to react to me and... Fred, at late seventies, maybe early eighties at the time, he was over the top of me. Oh gosh! And I had to look at him, and be like, "Oh, I'm the straight man. 
you're the crazy guy. I'm the straight man. I'm the low energy straight man. I have to react to you. And it's weird. We 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 adjusted like within the first couple lines. It was like oh, wow. and yeah, and um, yeah, and just learning so much from uh, uh, what else in that movie? Um, Jane Lynch is in that movie, and uh, some other great great people. And you're just like this is this this is, this is not work. I I, <laughs> I get to be fans of all these people and look at what they're doing it it was so great so um yeah like those acting opportunities are really fun acting in a show like legit uh with jim jeffries where i where i played a version of myself and just doing crazy like me with the volume turned up kind of kind of stuff and jim just going like no no just be just be you that's why you're playing you just be you okay cool i can do that uh yeah it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun but yeah, any acting I do is just to enhance the stand-up. That's, I'm not trying to do stand-up to be an actor. I'm trying to occasionally act to keep the stand-up going. Yeah, it's so funny. I, I don't know that you n- would necessarily know him, but there's another L.A. comic that I talked to this summer, Eric mm-hmm. Escobar, who... Can't say that um, I do. He's gotten more and more into acting, and when I asked him, because I'm always interested if people kind of get pulled away from the mm-hmm. stand-up or if... You know, it's just something to strengthen their abilities on stage. He's like, no, it's totally because if I do acting, I can get on, I can get more followers yep. who will then attend my shows, yep. and it's all about yep. what I do to support the stand And don't get me wrong, there's parts of acting that are really fun. Overall, it's boring. <laughs> it's really boring. The, you wait in a dressing room for whatever. You go, you shoot the scene, you do... I mean, from all these different angles, and you do it, 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 cool, you're done. All right, go back to your trailer, wait there, or your dressing room for another hour, and then, well, I mean, the crew, the, the crew are the, the most important people on that set. Yeah. They work the hardest. They're, they don't get the breaks. They just nonstop keep working, keep setting up new shots, lighting, all that jazz. So, like, there's a lot of downtime when you're acting, whereas stand-up, yeah, there's some downtime, but... You're in a hotel room in a great city. You can go around. You can watch a movie. You can get, like, yeah, it, it's so much more fun. <laughs> so much more fun. All right, let's talk about what you did in COVID. Your oh. daughter was born yeah. a couple months before yeah. everything shut down. January thirteenth. So you might have already been in a mental mind state of, well, I'm shutting things down for a while so I can yeah. be at home and, and yep. with my daughter. Yeah, I was going to shut the things down for two months. That oh God. That didn't work out. <laughs> so was it a matter if you had already scheduled that, you know, that at that two-month mark, you're like headlining here, here, yes. here, tr- oh, God. Two months, and after two months, I had a oh. year's worth of gigs. Now, don't get me wrong. My experience with COVID, I'm not trying to downplay anyone else's. Overall, I had, like, obviously, the pandemic is horrible. I hate that it happened, and I'm not trying to downplay anyone's struggles yeah. or what they had to go through. My personal experience with it there there, there's never a good time for a pandemic but but if i had to choose a time it would be the time that i had because my daughter was born i was forced to stay home didn't go out didn't go out on the road that much i still went out a little bit um but i got to be there with her and now my daughter knows me and loves me and reacts to me and you can't ask for anything more than that so yeah, that's uh, it's great. It, 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 like like I said, never a good time, yeah. but 
being home and having that distraction, I would read tweets and people were just like, I'm so bored all day. And I'm like, what's that like? Because yeah. I'm not I'm changing diapers. Yeah, I'm changing diapers. I'm not sleeping. I'm trying to figure out how to trying to figure out how to get money coming into this house, yeah. you know, pay for everything. Like, I'm trying to support my wife and everything like that. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. People are like, it's so boring all day. I'm like, I would kill for that. I would kill to have a boring day during the pandemic. But, yeah. Um, and then doing whatever shows you could, whether it be virtual, drive-in, did a couple of those, did virtual shows, drive-in shows, a couple, couple live shows. Like, I, I would go out to some red states do a live show and then go okay I made a little bit of money I'm not doing that for a while <laughs> I'm, I'm going back and I would go home get tested and then go back in my house and yeah, yeah it was a crazy crazy time yeah. but just one more thing in terms of uh, I was it it, it it made me so thankful for all the things that like stand up was taken away and I realized how much I needed it like I'd be running bits to my wife. I probably drove her nuts <laughs> because she's trying to keep our baby alive. And I'm like, did you see what so-and-so said in the news? Joke, joke, joke. You know, and she's like, shut up. <laughs> Hand me a diaper. Like, what are you doing? So, um, yeah, it, it, it was a crazy experience. But now when I go, when, now that I'm back on the road, all the things that may have bothered me in the past about stand-up, now I'm like, no, no, no. It's all, I'll take my lumps. I'll yeah. take the bad with the good. Just because I know what it's like now to live without it, and I don't want to do that again. It's this is it. I want to do stand-up comedy. Like whether I make money or less money or barely any money, whatever. Don't care. I just need, I need to do this. Do you feel you've achieved the balancing act of being away from your your family to <laughs> you know get back to your your original love of stand-up? Um, if you ask me, I'd say I'm doing a great job. <laughs> if you ask my wife, she will have a different answer. Yeah. But, um, no, it, 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 there will always be that balance and trying to find it. Like, right now, my balance is I do three weeks on the road. I do one week at home. Um, and then also, it's like, how much do I go out when I'm in L.A.? How, many, how often do I go out to the comedy store, the improv, whatever? Mm-hmm. So, it's finding that balance. It'll be... I've heard from other comedy dads, it gets harder as the kid gets older, because yeah. now, now they can talk to you and tell you, daddy don't go away for the weekend, and you're like, mother. Like, yeah, the guilt trip. Yeah, so um, I remember Brian Posehn told me a story of uh, when he found out that I was going to be a dad, and he goes, man, get ready, and he goes, because one day my kid goes, dad, I don't want you to go. And then dad goes, well, I, I have to go, buddy. Cause you know, you, you, you know, your Xbox, the house, all the stuff. That's how, that's how we get these things is daddy has to go out. And the, and, the, and Brian's son looked at him and goes, I don't need an Xbox. I don't need the house. I need dad. And I'm, he's just like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> like, so it's like, I, I hear stuff like that and I'm like, Oh, it's going to be a rough day. It's going to be a rough day. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, it's already like even when I FaceTime with my daughter, she's 19 months old and she's like trying to look behind the iPad Aww. to see Dad, and like it's just ugh, it, it's killing you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it, it'll always be, and I'm always gonna make a strong effort to find that balance. It's weird. There's some comics I will not mention any names, <laughs> but there's some comics who have kids where I'm go, do you see your children? 
do they know who you are? Because every two seconds you're doing a podcast, you're doing a tour, you're doing a Peppa, you're doing a Peppa. You want to know what I, I never see? You just hanging out with the babies. Like, you know, it's... And But hey, to each their own, yeah. if that's the life that they're doing, okay, yeah. maybe, maybe they're doing it right and I'm doing it wrong. And there's, a, and there's that balance that you have to achieve of like, well, I have to keep working to be successful and keep selling tickets, but then you also want to be there for the family. But if you're there for the family too much and you ignore the work, then the work dries up and now crap, yeah. you know? So, yeah, it'll, it'll be a constant effort. It'll never be perfect. It'll never be done. You'll just keep trying to adjust and maybe you lean too far on one side so you have to overcorrect mm-hmm. and go back to the other. I'm sure there'll be times when I go, you're right, I've been gone too long, I'm going to cancel whatever group of shows and yeah. make, make sure I see your recitals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the important thing is that, and I talked, I was recently on Howie Mandel's podcast and he does it with his daughter. And I told his daughter, I said, ignore the fact that your father's sitting right next to you you know, tell me the good, tell me the bad, what did he do, what did he not do, like, and one thing that she told me was, whenever Howie was home, he was dad, he was not home, and then going back out, taking calls and meetings, and blah, blah, blah. like, no, he was dad, yeah. so he goes, that, she goes, that was important, so that, I, I'm gonna take that really into account, so when I do go home, that's when I'm dad, that, yeah, yeah, I'm home. Yeah. Yeah. So I mentioned that, uh, for four moon towers now, I've sat down with Jeremiah, mm-hmm. and uh, our focus is more on on the checking in. But since you're LA based, I'm gonna throw this question at you that has to do with there have been so many comics mm-hmm. that have left LA and moved to Austin, mm-hmm. and I want to ask you what has that done to the the shape of the LA scene? At, you know, at those high levels mm-hmm. where you know. The comedy store, the Laugh Factory, have been yeah. booked with these major, major names that have now mm-hmm. um, come here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, me personally, I love it because I was going on at eleven thirty at night, and now I'm, and now I'm going on at ten. Ah, that's a lot better. It's a promotion. Yeah, it's so good. that's kind of what I was hoping to yeah. hear. That it's a nice it's sweet spot. Like, yeah, you 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 miss the people that left. You miss not seeing them out every night and obviously seeing them perform it's one of the great blessings of our business is we get to do this and we get to see amazing comedians perform all the time um but yeah i think it's great it's opening up new opportunities not only for the comedians in la because now there's more a, a few more spots but the comedians in austin because um of these names that have moved your you know, your Rogans, your Seguras, um, the opportunities they're now bringing and the legitimacy they're bringing to other scenes. Um, Theo and, and Nate Bargatze and Josh Wolf over there in Nashville and Steve Byrne. Um, these towns are now being raised up as sort of new comedy hubs. So you don't just have to be in New York and L.A. anymore. You can be in L.A., you can be in New York, you can be in Austin, you can be in Nashville. The scene in Denver is blowing oh, yeah, yeah. up right now. So... These are all great new comedy hubs that you can be at. And now it's like you don't have to be in New York or L.A. because you don't have to... Like, the the industry is in New York and L.A., so that's why you always, quote-unquote, had to live there. Now, you can have a podcast, you can have a TikTok, you can have a YouTube, you can have any combination of those, and build your own following to where you don't need to go on auditions and meetings and stuff like that. So, 
it's great. Um, I think it's a net positive. I, I miss seeing the people. I miss seeing the people that moved. Um, but at the same time, um, I'm happy for the opportunities that it's brought to the comics in L.A. and the comics uh, in, the, in, in these other cities. Okay. Well, uh, the only other thing that I really have on my radar is okay. we miss seeing Adam Ray at Moon Tower. Yeah. And I know you had a... a and I c- could not honestly tell, is the podcast over or is it yeah. continuing? So I am off the About Last Night podcast. Uh, okay. I did it because um, I'm already traveling as much as I am. And when I'm home, I want to be home. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to... And I don't want to miss any more stuff that I'm already missing. Yeah. So that's why I decided to step away. I'm still still great friends with Adam. Uh, I talked to him last few weeks ago, and I'm a groomsman in his wedding coming up. So, like, I don't want people to, yeah. when they heard I left, to be like, they're fighting. It's like, <laughs> no, we're, we're fine. We're good. Uh, so, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. But uh, I'm, stoked, I'm stoked for him. He's he, uh, he, he's still doing the podcast, no, a, a, okay. along with a couple other podcasts. Uh-huh. So, by all means. He's great on the microphone. Please subscribe to those. Listen to those. I'll probably start another one up at some point um, when I'm ready and can kind of have a more concrete look at my schedule uh, and see when that could fit it in. But um, yeah, obviously he's he's one of, he's one of my best friends. I miss having him here. I miss. I, I was texting him yesterday because uh, I was like, hey, I was at the corner the other day where uh, you and I got drunk and started um, throwing loaves of bread at people. <laughs> Uh, yeah, not like not like the homeless. Okay, they weren't doing that. It was late at night. It was bread they were throwing out because it was it was day it was day old bread and they only had fresh bread at this particular spot. So they they they, they put it outside. We got a couple of loaves. We ate them and then we started just being like passing them out to comedians and like throwing them at people. Like, hey, who wants bread? And then we started throwing bread at people. It's fun stories like that. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, stories like that happen, like, God, how many of those types of stories happened just last night, and how many will happen tonight? It's really exciting. I love this festival. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I love that you come every single year, and... Oh, yeah. As long as as Austin will have me, I, I, I will be here. Well, I don't know if you heard the news. This was we're recording this on Friday, and they had this press conference, and now uh, JFL and Moon mm-hmm. Tower officially joining forces, and mm-hmm. it's going from four days to ten days. I'm gonna have to take a lot more vacation time. I'm gonna. I'm stoked. I want to be in Austin for ten days. I want to stay the whole time. So, yeah, they're turning Moon Tower into like the American JFL. Yeah. So there'll be two. It'll be great to have two big festivals. Yeah. Um, every year that we can all go and enjoy and for an extended amount of time and like almost every comedy almost every comedian I know is a fan of comedy so we get to like I'm I'm gonna run around I've, I've got my solo show tonight but I'm gonna run around and see whatever I can see yeah. in, in, in terms of the other comedians out there doing stuff so I'm stoked um, it's, it's big news it's great news and like I said it's only allowing more opportunities for more comedians so it's fantastic I have completely glossed over that tonight I mean you're actually taking time out of your, oh, yeah. your day to uh, talk to, to me and tonight you are headlining Paramount Theater mm-hmm. which is uh, a huge gorgeous theater classic yeah uh, and how uh, how often do you get to do like these old classic theaters? Yeah, um, it's exciting because 
I I'm on the brink. Like I sell really well in the clubs. I do a couple of theaters in a couple of different markets. So when whenever I do get a chance to do a theater, it's just really fun. Yeah. It's really fun to uh, pretend rock star for a little bit, <laughs> and uh, it'll be fun tonight. It's going to be a great show. I'm stoked for it. Yeah. And uh, like I said, the the audience is an awesome. They're very smart. And they're very comedy savvy. And uh, I'm looking forward to I'm lo- I'm looking forward to performing for them, seeing what kind of feedback they give me, and uh, seeing how I could be better. So when I'm here for ten days. It, It'll it'll be it'll, it'll be even more exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, is there anything uh, as we wind down here? Mm-hmm. Is there any, anything I haven't talked about that you want to make sure people know about you? Um, just that I tour like a goddamn madman. <laughs> so um, diapers aren't cheap. So go <laughs> to bradwilliamscomedy.com. Check out my tour schedule. See when I'm coming near you. Come. I promise I'll be more lively than I was in this hotel lobby lounge area i'm trying but like uh so yeah just see what i'm touring and come see a show and uh just in general go see left comedy it's great it's back we were out for a while it's a whole it's a whole ecosystem of people it's not just the comedians it's the staff the comedy clubs the bookers it's it's so many people that rely on us so go out when you feel comfortable and uh see stand up and uh, let's laugh again. It's, I, it, it's so much fun, and I'm so lucky that I'm able to see and do all these really cool things with these amazingly talented people. So I'm excited. Awesome. Well, I have a closing question for you, Brad. Fire away. One word to describe your future. Mm. Let's see. So optimistic was the word to describe my past. Um... My future. Just dedicated. Dedicated to comedy. Dedicated to my family. Dedicated. Yeah, like I want to. Those are the most important things to me right now is is family and comedy. Sometimes in that order. And uh, it will remind you when you get it out of order. Oh, it it will, it will. So yes, and I'm dedicated to an exciting future for myself, my family, and whatever I can contribute to the industry. Well said, well said. All right, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham presents Brad Williams. Tell us where we can find you. Go ahead and rattle off your website and your social medias. BradWilliamsComedy.com. Twitter at Funny Brad, Instagram at Brad Williams Comic, and uh, yeah, go. I'll try. I'll try to keep you entertained. <laughs> Definitely catch him live if he comes to a uh, destination near you. He is worth it. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Brad got to be the comedic genius that you heard today. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Just as much as I am. This has been Comedy Wham presents Brad Williams. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. <laughs>